certainly I was at one time. Um, in the 70s, I was driving down towards Bow Desert. It was a beautiful day. It was sunny. It was cool. It was autumn from memory. Um, it was a lovely day. I had the windows down, I believe, because uh, um, for some reason I'm not sure we had air conditioning, but the birds were singing. It was a lovely day. Um, until we got to the next bend, that is, at any rate. Um, there was two oncoming cars coming towards me around a, a bend, uh, one behind the other, no problems with that, except for the third car. They were overtaking round a blind corner, over double lines, and there was trees either side of the road, absolutely nowhere to move. Um, I was surprised. Um, and in fact, they were too, no doubt. The, their car broke in two complete bits. Uh, it was um, 100 kilometres an hour. Um, two complete bits. No one was killed. Um, and I was very thankful that all was was bruising and from the seat belts. Uh, one of the children in the other car did break a leg. But apart from that, um, everything was good. You know, I just didn't see this coming. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. I couldn't control the situation. I um, had no idea about it. I can't see the extent of the universe. In fact, I can't even see around a blind corner. But God can. Um, God doesn't get surprised. God knows the end from the beginning and God knows exactly what was going, is going to happen and it was his plan rather than any the, um, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the priesthood or anyone else that led to the cross. There's some people who believe or think that God is surprised and he changes his mind and he and he uh, does things according to difference of circumstances that arise. And uh, that's not the God that we see in the Bible. I believe that they are wrong. God says, I feel, oh yes, when uh, after Jesus was resurrected and uh, was joined up with two people on the Emmaus Road, he talked to them for a while and they were telling him about the things that happened about his death, in fact. And uh, Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer for these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the scriptures and things concerning himself. You know, the whole Old Testament is, is indeed a, a statement or tells about Jesus' birth and death and resurrection. Um, some scholars have worked out that there's over 500 references in the Old Testament to declare what Jesus was going to do, his coming, his life on earth, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. And um, so just, just for fun, 
go and Google sometime and Google Old Testament references to Jesus. And you'll have fun going through them. They're really exciting. But anyway, you know, not only did God know what was going to happen, he actually planned it. Um, and indeed, I'll just read there, um, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved Jesus. It was according to the purpose of his will that he chose us and arranged for Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And um, his plan will be fulfilled in the fullness of time. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And it goes on to say, This is according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. And in the fullness of time, he will do what he has um, planned and purposed. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are a wonderful God far above us. You do know the end from the beginning and indeed you have planned it. We ask that you will be glorified this morning and that we will uh, see more of you. I do ask that your spirit will lead me this morning to say that which you would have said and not the things that uh, you would not have said. We ask that your spirit may open our hearts that we might understand your word, that we might understand you and love you more and know you more. We ask for your spirit's leading this morning in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In the section that we read before the message here, the Bible reading, it's really broken up into to five separate blocks. The portrayal of Jesus, Jesus faces Annas and, uh, and Caiaphas. Jesus denies, um, sorry, Peter denies Jesus. What I, what I would show you is that, you know, there's a bit of duplication here or, or interleaving of stuff here. Um, Jesus before the, high, the priesthood um, comes in two sections and Peter denying comes in two sections. The first one is denying the first time and then he does it for the second and third time at the, um, at the end of the reading. Okay. We start the reading with when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook of Kedron, etc. And when Jesus had spoken these words, immediately raised the question, what words are we talking about? Well, that was last week. And um, this is what Steve was talking about last week. And if you missed the service last week, you can pick it up on, uh, on our website. And uh, it's worth listening to, as indeed all the messages are. 
he read a quite a long section and dealt with quite a long section, and I want to pinch the very, very start of it. Father, the hour has come to glorify the Son. This is the hour is now. And uh, all for the last couple of weeks, the priesthood has been trying to find a way to, to trick Jesus to get some basis for charging him to deal with him uh, and get him off the streets. But now is the time. The hour has come. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you, since you've given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all that those you have given him. Hey, that's pretty good. To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given me to do. Jesus has has done what God had asked. God the Father has asked. And now, Father, glorify me in my own presence, in your own presence, with the glory that I had before, uh, with you before the world existed. And Steve brought out a lot of points there, but I just want to bring out um, the fact that he did accomplish what he was called to do and that this was all part of the plan and um, that Jesus existed with God, the, the Father, before the creation of the earth. He, he had glory with the Father before the world existed. Okay, so um, one of the other verses I want to bring out, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would have eternal life. There was a purpose to God coming to earth as a man. It wasn't fate. It wasn't circumstances. It wasn't anything unexpected. It was part of the plan. God was and is and will be, God is in control. So we get on to our, back to our readings. Incidentally, I've sort of colour-coded this white. I'm off, off the verses that we're studying today. Yellow, we're, we're there. So um, I was finding I was getting lost all the time. Hopefully white, something else. Yellow, the verses. Now Jesus, who betrayed him, Jesus, that is, Now Judas, who betrayed Jesus, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns, torches and weapons. You know, we remember that the night before this betrayal, they were were sitting at supper, the Last Supper, um, the Passover, And um, in there, Jesus was saying, one of you would betray me. And he he actually indicated it was Judas, but no one picked it up. But Judas, uh, Jesus said to Judas, what you're going to do, do quickly. And no one knew what he was going to do. They thought he was going to do something in his role of treasury. But Jesus was saying to 
to Judas, go out and do your work betraying me with the Pharisees, the priesthoods and all the rest. God planned again for this to happen. He orchestrated the events. He was in control. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And one of the interesting things here is that Jesus came forward asking. It wasn't... um, We do have in the other verses that Judas came up and kissed him, but this is additional to that. Jesus then said to the, the, the soldiers there around him, Who do you seek? Once again, God in control. Now I think we're working... Yep. And then um, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Oh, why on earth did they fall on the ground? Okay. There's... There's two translations here, and up till about 60 years ago, there was no contest. Everyone agreed that what Jesus was saying is, I am. He was saying, yes, I am the person whom you're after. But more to the point, he was saying, I am, being the name of God. Um, The the actual Greek does say that um, I am, and the he has been added to this. Um, for clarity. Somewhere around 50 years ago, people were saying, oh, we really don't know the mind of Jesus here. We're not sure the way we're going to translate it. But um, as I said, the early Christian church and all the way till very recently was in no doubt what Paul was intending and what Jesus was saying. Back in, in times of the Exodus, Moses was wandering around feeling sad for himself, having killed someone and having to flee. And God approached him uh, at that burning bush and told him he had a work to do. And uh, he was to bring his people, God's people, out of Egypt. And uh, Moses said, boy, I can't do that. Uh, That's a bit much. Um, if I try to tell them that I'm supposed to do this, no one's going to believe me. Who am I going to say told me to do this? Um, and Jesus says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am God, they they took four letters without vowels and uh, that got handed down. No one was to speak the holy words of the holy name of God and they had these four letters that they used to symbolise it for a long time. We translate that into English as Yahweh or, or Jehovah but um, and why Yahweh, Jehovah? Because when you shove in vowels you come up with different answers, I guess. Um, but at any rate, 
God, Jesus himself, uh, declared the same thing about himself, um, and we read about that earlier on. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you say that you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, and Jesus himself hid and went out of the temple. You know, the penalty for blasphemy was death by stoning. And so that's why they were picking up these these stones. They knew what Jesus was saying. They knew Jesus was declaring that he was God, and they wanted to put him to death. His hour had not come at this time, and so they they... They couldn't kill him. He hid himself and went out of the temple. And how you do that amongst people trying to stone you, it's, you're God. He's God. Indeed. Let's go back to here. So I'm running with the translation, I am, in capital letters, meaning I am God. The name of God. They asked him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. Jesus, who portrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus, when Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. You know, if he was declaring that he was God before the servants of the high priest, no wonder they fell to the ground. So Jesus asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me, I've not lost one. Um, As we're going to see in a moment, um, Peter gets a bit impulsive and chops off someone's ear, but um, Jesus is, is saying, let these guys go, take me. And if you look at those 500 odd verses, you'll see that, that uh, none were to be lost. And, um, and this was to fill, fulfill scripture. And we'll see that indeed this prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus. Okay, so then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it out and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Um, You know, the question that comes to my mind um, is why after doing this did the guards, did the, the high priest allow Peter to go free? You know, chopping off a ear is kinda kinda much blood pouring down, ear missing on the, you know. Why let Peter go? Why, obviously, he's pulled out a sword against against soldiers and the high priest. This is really a capital offence. Um, they should be killed for this. And again, God's in control. This was the plan. God said that they would be free. They went free. Um, Jesus says, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? 
um, Jesus was determined to do the will of the Father, to work out this plan for your and my benefit, for our um, salvation. Jesus was a willing, voluntary, substitutional sacrifice for those that the Lord would call to himself. We're told that without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness of sins and so Jesus was going to the cross to shed his blood for us. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and let the others go. And first they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. You know, I was thinking about this great prophet, Caiaphas. Well, he wasn't really a prophet, but he did prophesy, but we'll get to that in a sec. Um, Annas was indeed the high priest a couple of years ago before these events. Um, God, when he instituted the high priest's role, the high priests were till they died and the next one took place. Um, and, and so it was up till about the Exodus at any rate. But now, under the control of Rome, Rome didn't want high priests having power, so they sort of replaced them every couple of years, and it became a political appointment. And so the people in this role were really keen to make sure that Rome and the Romans and the Roman governor of, of, of this land uh, were favourably disposed towards them, or at least as well as they could. Anyway, Annas was... The previous high, one of the previous high priests, followed after him was Eleazar, his son, that guy sitting over on the left, and then we had after him uh, Caiaphas. Um, Eleazar, well, the high priest was there for about six years, Eleazar for about two years, and now we're into uh, Caiaphas, and uh, as we're told, he's the son-in-law, and he was, of course, brother to Eleazar. Uh, Annas sort of didn't want to give up his role, we're told, uh, in, I guess, some of the extant books around that time. Um, he seems to be sort of the controlling, the high priestly role behind the scenes to some extent. But at any rate, some time ago, um, yes, so the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and Caiaphas, who was the, the actual high priest, had said sometime previously uh, the, that it would be expedient for one man to die for the people. And interestingly, if we go back to John chapter 11, we see that Jesus had been doing many miracles and doing many signs and wonders. And uh, the Pharisees... Um, wanted to get the council together to deal with this this dreadful matter. And they said to, to the council, if we let him, Jesus, go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nations. 
our nation. You know, pretty bad stuff working with Rome. Um, they were pretty uh, down on anyone who opposed them. Um, death was pretty much uh, one of the standard punishments. Um, and if you were very unlucky, it was death on the cross. And a lot of people uh, met that fate. So, and the Jews, of course, knew the history of, of, of their life of their nation, how many times that they were conquered and dealt badly with. And so they were kind of concerned. Here's Jesus who's talking about a new kingdom, a new life, eternity um, with God and doing signs and wonders. Okay. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Yep, going backwards there. The interesting thing about this was that he didn't say this of his own accord, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. I very much doubt that he knew he was prophesying, but he was. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. And you know, that's that's us. So this is part of the answer as to why Jesus would willingly go to the cross to die as a substitute for the Jews and also for the children of God. And from that day on, they made plans to put him to death and they tried to catch him and they tried to trap him. But his time was not yet. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. Okay, John's gone in because he, well, that leads us to who on earth was the other, other disciple there. And if one looks at the book of John, John is never mentioned in the book. And uh, people understand from the situations that developed that John was the, both the writer and the, the, the disciple not mentioned in the story. And, um, and, and so we'll, we'll imagine it was John. We may be wrong, but that's the general accepted view that it was in, John, in fact John there. So since that disciple was known to the high priest, probably John, He entered with Jesus. But Peter stood outside the door so that the other disciple, who who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. So so John then was went in with Jesus and the the servants and poor old um, um, Peter was left out there. He's not allowed in here at the moment. But John goes out, grabs him, brings him in. Great stuff. Hey, that's great. Where are the other 
nine disciples we've got Peter John maybe um, Jesus we know he's he's off um, um, with his 30 pieces of silver and uh, in a little bit he's going to get a bit upset but at the moment he's got 30 pieces of silver he thinks he's done the right thing perhaps but where are the other nine disciples you, you know I think they're afraid in that day and age being in rebellion or seen to be in rebellion against the, the Romans and they've just had this close call with Peter drawing out a sword. There was Roman soldiers. There were officers of the of the high priest as well. But at that time, Peter drew out that sword. They could. They were technically in rebellion against Rome. They could have been executed, taken to the cross. I think they were scared. Myself. They weren't here. They weren't here. We've got Peter, and we've got. Maybe John. You know, given the circumstances, you think of Malaysia or Indonesia or China or any of those, North Vietnam. Think of the regimes there. Think of you being caught up as an enemy of the, 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 the state in rebellion against um, those people. Think about the way you'd be treated. I think that Peter and John were pretty brave. I think they were pretty brave. I think those other disciples were, were probably wise at going and hiding. I think Peter and, and John were pretty brave in the circumstances. Okay, we go on. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, so John's bringing him in, uh, are you not one of this, this man's disciples? Well, sorry, I read that wrong. You also are not one of those this man's disciples, are you? And Peter says, I'm not. Now, that's the first denial of Christ, the denial of being a, a, a follower of Christ or a disciple. Now, the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. And Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. So they left the door and they moved to the fire to warm themselves while while they watch the spectacle of Jesus with Caiaphas, uh, sorry, with Annas at this stage. Okay, so we come back to this. The high priest, and, and we're referring to Annas this time, he's really the ex-high priest as we talked about, but... They're calling him the high priest this this time. The high priest then questioned Jesus about the disciples and his teaching. They were concerned about the Romans and how they were going to see the sedition of Jesus in this new kingdom. Jesus answered to him, I have spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews came together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I've said to them. They know what I've said. The concern was, was this bunch a cult group who were ready to attack, probably 
you know, 40 odd years ago there was a, a big uprising and many thousands were killed. Is this happening again? Um, Jesus was saying basically, hey, look, there's no cult. We're not rebelling against Rome. Um, We've been in full view of everyone. We haven't been hiding around, talking in secret. All the teaching that Jesus did, he said, was out in the open. You, You could hear it. If you want to know what I said, just ask anyone who was listening. Basically, he was saying, look, I'm innocent of the things you're fearing. Um, really, you're going to have to prove otherwise. Any rate, going on from there, um, when he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, is this how you answer the high priest? Well, you know, they're trying to trap him, get him to self-incriminate himself, but um, um, and hitting him at this time, not proven uh, guilty at this time in the Jewish law was was forbidden. And um, trying to get him to trap himself was also not proper procedures uh, in the Jewish law. Jesus replied, if what I said is wrong, Bear witness about that wrong. Say what's wrong. Don't don't get offended because I spoke the truth. Tell me what's wrong. But if what I said was right, why do you strike me? And of course, they had no case against him. There was no evidence against Jesus doing anything wrong. So what to do? Well, Annas then sent him, Jesus, bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So we move on from there. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you, you also are not one of his disciples. So this is, this is the soldier, uh, this is the Servants of the high priest who were in that courtyard. The Roman soldiers would have been peeled off separate at that time, I imagine. And, uh, or not, I don't know. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And once the, at once, the rooster crowed. And we jump back to um, to a verse that shouldn't have fitted in there at all and I've gone lost and don't know what's happening. Um, but at any rate, what has gone on, on here is that um, Peter has denied Christ three times in the verses that we we saw earlier, um, Jesus, Peter said to to Jesus, "Hey, look, you know, even if all the other disciples abandon you, I I will be with you." And um, Jesus had just mentioned that he was going to go to the the, the cross in 
slightly obscure words, but maybe very clear words when you think of the words. Peter says, you know, even if you die, I'm willing to die with you. And Peter and Jesus came back to him and said, um, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. This was John 13, um, 37. Okay, so, well, Peter denied Jesus. Uh, probably John um, was back in the background, stepping back from things. We don't hear anything about what he says. The other nine disciples are, are elsewhere hiding. You know, the Jesus um, prophesied what, what indeed Peter would do. And that's, that's, again, another pointer that God is in control. Jesus knew what was happening. He was doing this deliberately. But, you know, the interesting thing is not necessarily that um, Peter denied Christ, which is which is not great, um, or even how the other disciples were absent. But really, if you look forward, how they acted after Christ rose from the dead and after they were given the, the spirit of, of God at Pentecost, they served God faithfully. Some of them died horrible deaths. And many, many of the disciples of God, the uh, disciples that came in the New Testament believers, they were tortured to death under Nero. It was pretty rough. Um, not very good. So I think the, the marvellous thing is the way they changed. It was really, really good. Okay. Um, Why did people change? And I'm not exactly sure myself, but the certainty that Jesus rose from the dead, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the strength that the Spirit can give us in our life is all all things that, that certainly enable me and may well have enabled them. Paul said, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That's sort of opposites, plenty and hunger, abundance and need. <clears throat> I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I'm tempted to ask at this time, have you found the secret of being able to be at peace the secret of facing turbulent situations in your life. You know, Jesus um, couldn't have come at any more turbulent situation than going to the cross. He was indeed God, but he was in relationship with God and he had the Holy Spirit sustaining him. He was God, but he was also man And this situation is the same as for him in horribleness as it would be for us. It was probably even very much worse for him having known the glory that he had with the Father before the creation of the world. Have you found the secret? 
of being content in any circumstance. We'll leave that for a moment. We certainly can't do it ourselves. We can't... um, I'll mention the secret really is simple. It's trust in the Lord. It's trust and obey God. It is being open to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And this isn't something that we can do ourselves by ourselves. It's something that you've got to practice. It's a bit like muscles, you know, trying to run a, a marathon in, in without practice. You've got to practice and you've got to build yourself up to it. Um, and you find out that trusting God isn't real easy to start with. And it's not real easy after 10 years. It's easier. But the more you can look back trusting in God and see the way he was faithful, the more you're able to trust God. And so you build your trust muscles and your faith muscles by trusting God. Jesus trusted God forever. Jesus trusted the Father, was in that unity relationship and knew the Spirit. He was able to go forward with with confidence, if not turmoil. You remember he did pray, you know, if this cup could pass by me, please do so, but your will be be done. Uh, he knew it wasn't going to go uh, go away. He knew the plan from a long time ago. We can't do this in ourselves. We can't trust God in ourselves. That's active work of the Holy Spirit. So it means trusting God, obeying God, being open to the Holy Spirit. Okay. So why did Jesus go knowingly and willingly to the cross? Well, maybe I'll ask it a different way. Maybe the question is, why did God, the creator of the universe, plan the redemption of his people before the creation of the world by the substitutionary death of the holy and righteous second person of the Trinity, even Jesus Christ? If that was too much, how about same question, why me? Why should God die in my place? Um, Glenn Shrivener, in his book 321, uh, The Story of God, the World and You, also did a video by the same name and it's on our webpage. So if you go to the webpage, um, you can listen to it. It's really, really good. He said, God... Three persons united in love from eternity past through eternity future. And the Bible says that this is correct. This is what who God is. Three persons united in love from eternity past through eternity future. Some of that was in the reading that we read um, in John 17, but um, really, really great. You know, I'm a sinner. And I can't, and, and going back there, in there he said, hey, picture God eternal before he created heaven and earth. Picture God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existing together in the unity of love, the Spirit giving communications between them, that there. How do you go for eons like that. 
and it's true love, it's perfect love. We're told that God is love. We're told that, that the definition of love is God. I'm a sinner. I can't go past a couple of days before I upset someone. Um, I upset someone with our selfishness, with my pig-headedness, with, um, with whatever. Um, how would I go in eternity with others? You know, how would you go with eternity with others? Um, God said, let's make mankind in our own image, after God's own likeness, Genesis 1.26. And we've already read John 3.16 that said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would have eternal life. Ephesians 1.5 says, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. He means as children through Jesus Christ. Sons meaning the special privileged position that the male had in that society. And it means people. It means men and women today. You, whether you're male or female, are a son of God if you believe in him in the context of the privileged position of being a child of God and one who he has died for. We are told in John, we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Can you see why Jesus has died on the cross? Love is the simple answer. The complex answer is a little bit uh, more. Why did Jesus knowingly and willingly go to the cross? I don't ask for these only, but also those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you are one, Father, uh, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, the reason Jesus went to the cross is so that we can be changed, so that we can be forgiven, so we can be both counted as righteous, but also made righteous. The Bible calls it sanctification, and it's that trusting and obeying and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work with you and in you to make you more and more like Jesus. This doesn't complete until the day you die when you will be glorified and you will be made uh, holy and righteous in truth. Why did Jesus die? So that you will be able to be Father, the Son, Holy Spirit in unity forever just like the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit was for eons before the creation of the earth, he wants you in that union forever, in love. Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? 
He came with purpose, deliberately. He came with purpose to die on the cross as the penalty for our sins, as the substitution for you and me. There was no surprise for God. He did this deliberately. He came deliberately to do it. The plan from the the beginning of the world as your substitute. And he um, did it to fulfill that plan. Why did he go knowingly? Why did Jesus go knowingly to the cross? Knowing he would suffer and die. The answer is love. Let's pray. There is no one like you. Full of mercy and grace, you are awesome in power. You are awesome in your holiness, your righteousness, your great love, your great mercy, and your grace. We thank you. We thank you for the reconciliation that we have in Jesus Christ. Please, we ask that you will transform us by the renewing of our our minds, that by testing we may discern your will, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Please, we ask that you will help us to know more of the breadth and length and height and depth of your love. You are wonderful. Amen. Please stand with me and we're going to sing. Um, Let's stand.